Hello and welcome to the Stray Injet Podcast. I'm Matt Stradley, ESPN Plus play-by-play announcer. And former when I'm working with former NCAA standout Harlem Globetrotter, that's John the Jet Williams. We're going to discuss the inner workings of college basketball across the Southeast. And we're going to offer deep insight into the basketball player's mind and the stories behind the scores in mid-major basketball. Well, first off, thanks for joining the podcast, our fifth, sixth, seventh edition, somewhere in there, fresh off a Disney World vacation. Stray, Matt Stradley, thanks for joining us here with the Jet. John Williams, uh, A-Dog, Allen, in with us today, our producer, and, and we're going to actually start off talking to our producer who got a, a clip to the number one spot on the Sports Center top 10 list, uh, a fantastic dunk during the UNC Asheville match this this past week. Uh, Alan, what is the process of submitting a clip, and then how does that work with ESPN? Uh, way easier than you'd assume, honestly, because uh, uh, basically you, if it's on an ESPN network, it's such a streamlined process, and with uh, everything we do at UNCA, it's most if not all of it is on ESPN plus there's not really a situation where it's not unless we're playing on the road somewhere in like a big 10 school but all you really have to do is just email the help desk tell them uh what game you're talking about describe the play give the time code of when it happened and they can just pull it straight from the archives all they'll tell you however is that it's being considered so this is the this the LJ Thorpe dunk from this game was the third time, I believe, we've sent something in this season. And they won't tell you anything, yet, but I'll just stay up for the Midnight Sports Center, make sure we make it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the, ten, the number 10 play and thought there was no way we'd make it. It was a spectacular we, dunk, though. I mean, John, that's the one that was worthy of me yelling dunk when it happened. Yeah, well, here's the thing, too. Like, I, as much as everybody was celebrating the dunk part, because, you know, it was a good-looking dunk, I was celebrating the Hezzy package. So, uh, LJ hit a little sidestep Hezzy move to get the defender up in the air. We call it a little hands-up. That defender gets up in the air, so it makes it a lot easier for him to get downhill, and then he just loads. And normally, LJ's a finger-roll kind of guy. Uh you know, as he's gotten older, but he decided this time, he said, today I got time, cuz, and turned that thing over and slammed it. So, Alan, what's the feeling when you see number 10 and you're like, well, and then nine, and then eight, and then just walk me through your thought process as the numbers count down. Well, saw number 10, thought we didn't make it, and I was like, well, I'm already up, might as well see what the other nine plays are. And then it's just, you know, scrolling down nine eight seven six five four three two, and then you're like, rolls into number one, and they're like, oh yeah, Hampton, UNC Asheville, and I'm just like, oh, okay. And is it's, it immediately so, to social media and trying to get that that play out so even more eyes see it? Uh, since it was midnight, what well, our course of action, and I think this was probably the smart way to do it. Most people aren't going to see it until the eight a.m. nine a.m. Sports Center, so we just made sure to record it then and schedule it to post afterwards. And it's got some pretty decent traction. That's some, that's really good uh, promotional material, all of that going in. It's really nice to see your work 
reached uh, reach a mountaintop, if you will. And it was uh, the quality was there, and I think as a producer, you want it to when you do get those those moments to allow the player to shine on a national stage that that the production elevates it and doesn't detract from it. I thought absolutely what happened in this situation the production elevated the fantastic play by the student athlete and he got that national attention that he deserved agreed john i want to let our listeners in on a little inside secret our, our own little uh, inside joke that we've been doing for now now two full seasons uh the dunk call you may not think about a lot because it just sounds exciting and you just go into it I got tongue-tied right after play resumed. Once we had kind of stopped play, there was a period of time for the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Play had just started back up. Mm -hmm. I was rusty, I'll admit it. And a play, UNC Asheville goes to the basket, throw down, and the only thing I could think of as far as a broadcast call was to yell dunk. Yeah. And, and John laughed. A lot, because it because objectively it's very funny. Yeah, it, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, and if you're listening to it, it sounds like a standard call. But if you're listening to it, you know, it's hilarious. It's it, it's ridiculous. Uh, who sees a dunk and yells dunk? Well, I'll tell you who me, and I'll tell you why I do it every time is because it makes John laugh. It does. Uh, it really does every time. And now you are in on that joke. So whenever you hear me do a dunk call, know that I'm going to say dunk and know that I'm doing it to make John laugh and know that John is going to have a hard time saying anything for two, maybe three seconds after that dunk call. I've got to gather my bearings for the most part and make sure that I'm giving solid commentary, but I can't do that if I'm over here, you know, peeing my pants because Matt, Matt also makes eye contact when he does it now, which, is, which also just ruins me. It's uncomfortable eye contact. Uh, I'll do that when I uh, hit like a Dr. Seuss sounding um, rhyme. When uh, uh, I remember uh, there was a player for UNC Asheville, uh, and I used to say Brown down with the rebound, and I'd look directly at John, and he would ignore me, turn like he'd cold shoulder me uh, so that he knew, but he could feel it, I think. I knew what time it was. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. I, I, I didn't want to make it with you. You know, well, somebody, somebody had to be a pro on that one. And what time nuggets? Be. When you went with ten nuggets, I yeah, I wasn't going there. So I was done. So that's one of the the little inside scoops that the the things that we we do to to have fun, but still be semi semi professional. I think when yeah, it comes it's, to it's pretty solid the broadcast when when he our my philosophy at least when broadcasting is that if you are listening to our broadcast you shouldn't feel like you're being spoken at you should feel like you're being spoken with like you're just in on the friend group and and john's the smartest dude in the room and everybody knows that and my job is to make sure that uh he says those really smart things in ways that the person who just watched basketball for the first time can understand yeah. And I feel like that's that's my role. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that they, you know, we do a good job of painting word pictures. Um, for those who may just, I mean, obviously you can see it, 
but also in explaining the concept that may be happening in that game. Um, you have to be able to, uh, and, and who doesn't like picture books? I love picture books. Right, so you got to be able to paint that word picture. And uh, I think it's, it's suited as well so far. I'll be honest with you. It helps that uh, I'm broadcasting with someone I genuinely get along with and I talk to on random Tuesdays uh, when we're not in basketball season. Random ones. Chop it up. He's got some Naruto questions, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, it, um, it depends. It depends. It, it, also, it could be Attack on Titan, Demon yeah. Slayer. Yeah, you yeah know. just to just catch up and 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 to to like fill in some holes, some gaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big week in the Big South. Uh, we'll get to Asheville uh, exacting revenge on USC Upstate, but first I want to talk about the big game of the weekend: A and T seventy Longwood sixty two. Oh yeah, that was a big game, especially for A and T, knowing that Longwood has been on that eleven game win streak, right? Or was was that Longwood? Has, yep. Was it Longwood that was on that win streak? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Longwood was running them off, man. And they were they were getting busy on people. And I get it because the personnel is just I mean, it's it's the real deal. There's not a lot of folks that can that can hang in there with uh that that lineup that they've got. They got Justin Hill, who's a downhill point guard that gets into the paint, and he's really the head of the snake for for Longwood as far as creating and facilitating because once he gets in there, the defense has no choice but to implode. And then that opens it up for guys like Nate Litteris, who is a shooter. Uh, Deshaun Wade, when he came up to UNC Asheville, was hitting dagger after dagger to a point where we we just felt like, hey, Longwood just is better today um, because of all the weapons that they have inside and out. And they beat UNC Asheville you know, like a drum, simply because they they were able to play a, a more balanced game. Um, but, you know, North Carolina A&T, who also came into UNCA and, and, and beat UNCA, I know that they've got the pieces. They've got a ton of talent, individual talent. Um, and what they have been working on, instead of being a talented individuals, being a talented team. And uh, they've got some pieces. You know, they got Cameron Langley who is, you know, a three-level scorer, I think. I think he can score at all three levels, and he can do some things. He creates a lot of offense from defense, and so he's a good player that you got to always consider when you're playing against A&T. Um, Tyler May had a real good game against Longwood for them. So, yeah, I mean, shouts out to them and uh, picking up a, a win and also uh, showing that Longwood does bleed like everybody else. An important win as Longwood showing that at least they can be beaten. Uh, UNC Asheville going to 6-6 in the conference. A big return victory going to Upstate. Takes the 83-56 victory, which our producer Allen had forecast immediately after uh, USC Upstate defeating Asheville in the Kimmel Arena. A great game from Drew Pember, which is, is not new. Doc Battle is looking to me to be one of the most important pieces of this team. Well, yes. I mean, Doc is, when he goes, they go. And you saw him when they played against UNC. Doc was was definitely the bright spot for UNC Asheville. Obviously, they've got a collection of players that can get busy, but Doc definitely uh, being that guy that 
he's he just never stops. He's like the go go guy that on the offensive end, if like you know somebody misses a shot, he's crashing hard. Uh, he drives hard. He he understands when he does drive if he, drive if he draws two, he knows the right man to hit. And uh, you know when this when the shot is going, he doesn't shoot a lot, but when it is going, it also makes him a threat. And so he serves as a a very good uh, pick me up when players or, or or defenses are honing in on Pember, Thorpe, uh, Jones, and and Jude. You know when you got guys that are always being honed in on. Uh, and setting their defensive schemes to stop them. You got to have those other pieces that can, you know, take you over the top. And Doc Battle's one of those guys. On the women's side of the Big South Conference, a couple of, of huge games, but none bigger than the top four battle, USC Upstate 59, High Point 75. That's in High Point. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was a big win because High Point, you know, losing Skylar Curran, has been searching for that identity because a lot of their offensive sets, a lot of their plays ran through Skyler. And so that's what their, what their bread and butter is, is putting the ball in the basket at a high clip. And what you saw in that big South conference championship last year between high point and Campbell was elite offense versus elite defense. And in that particular situation, elite offense made enough shots to pull it through. And uh, so they have been trying to get back to that elite offense where they are filling the ball up. And the play against USC Upstate, who runs a very difficult, no-middle-style defense uh, that takes away the straight-line drives where you can't penetrate, which most teams in the Big South would rather cater to. They would rather cater to paint touches. They'd rather cater to offensive rebounding and things of that nature. While High Point, they are letting that thing go um, at, a, at a disrespectful clip, and so they don't mind shooting that thing. And so USC Upstate uh, lived with it, but High, High Point made sure they took care of business from the, from the perimeter as well as once you show that you can shoot the ball from the perimeter, it shows then it spreads the defenses out where you can get into the paint. And now you're able to dissect that defense even more. Down to uh, Gardner-Webb defeating Radford. Notable to me, 99 points for Gardner-Webb, Radford 62. Gardner-Webb is a powerful offensive team and if they get rolling is there a team in the conference that can beat them when they're rolling when they're playing at their best when they're playing at their best when they're playing at their best they are shooting the ball over 45 percent um when they shoot the ball over 45 percent usually good things happen for them because a lot of their offense is is caused by their defense they create a ton of turnovers against most teams because of their length and agility and when you got players that can shoot the ball, um, and most of their players will or, and are capable of it, um, but also have roles within it. And so, you know, Lauren Beavis for them is, or Bevis, is their main shooter. Uh, I, I think against Radford, she hit like four threes or something. Like, she's their one. But you also have, uh, you know, some other players. And usually the player to watch for them is... Jessica Williams. And I've seen games where Jessica Williams goes super ice cold. And I've also seen games where Jessica Williams knocks down three threes. And so it just depends on the version of Gardner Webb that comes out that we know what they're capable of. But at the same time, you know, they've got to play to the strengths that they have that game. So 
Jessica Williams is hot. They're going to keep on feeding her and let her let her work that thing out from the three-point line and see how it goes. But if she's not, she does what she normally does, which is put pressure on defenses by getting paint touches and, and driving and drawing two and kicking the players like Bevis who could knock down the three or players like Elijah Smith who can knock down the three. And so you got to be mindful of uh, their – they're balanced offense because they got a bunch of players that can do a little bit of everything as well as not just drive and shoot, but also they got some, they got some post players down there as well. that can uh, get some stuff going and that can, that will rebound the ball and, and, and can finish over both shoulders. Gardner Webb on a five game winning streak after a two point loss at home to North Carolina and T big one coming up Tuesday night in boiling Springs as they take on high point. I think that really is going to tell it be the litmus test of where Gardner Webb is this season. Yeah. Gardner Webb does not want to try to get into a shooting contest with high point. Cause then you're playing high point style that, you know, they need to try to do what they do best, which is speed up high points offense by putting a lot of pressure on the perimeter creating turnovers, getting out in the open floor, trying to win that rebounding battle. But also it's hard to get those rebounds if they're if they're three pointers, there could be long threes, right? Or long long rebounds. So you got to be able to not just focus and depend on your post play, but your guards have to rebound and box out as well from the perimeter in order to get those long rebounds. So they're gonna have to play their style of basketball in order to beat high point. If they succumb to the ways of high point, they'll lose. Looking at the top six in the women's Big South standings, it's Campbell twelve and ten and three for Upstate, ten and three for Longwood, nine and three for High Point, Gardner Webb at ten and four, and nine and five is North Carolina A and T. It falls off precipitously from there with Hampton Presbyterian, Winthrop, Charleston Southern, UNC Asheville, and Radford all down the list. John, I want to take a real quick look back at the men's side. Other than Longwood. 10 and one and Winthrop 10 and two. Uh, then the North division uh, Longwood. And then you got Campbell, A&T high point Radford all right there. Maybe a game apart. Um, Inner Webb at nine and three upstate Nashville, seven and five and six and six. All of them kind of right in there uh, fighting out for the, the four seed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, obviously the, those top teams, those teams you just named off are all capable of beating each other. And it depends on matchups, right? And so, yes, I mean, Gardner-Webb and Upstate, Gardner-Webb uh, or Asheville, there's a lot of parity. Asheville almost took down Winthrop at their house. Uh, Longwood, Longwood is not the team to fool with out here. I mean, they are definitely capable of taking this thing all the way to the championship this year with the, the players and personnel they have. I mean, it's just up in the air, especially when it comes to uh, that four spot, because in that four spot is capable of beating one, um, you know, and that, that five spot will probably be capable of beating one. So you just never know uh, what you're going to get uh, when it comes to tournament play. But I could see it coming down to these last few games going into the tournament to be that decider for that spot. I just took a real quick look at the ACC because I do that occasionally. Another fantastic performance off the back of a pretty miserable performance a week ago against Duke. Um, UNC at home going out to a, I believe it was almost a 30 to one run to start the game against Florida State. Oh man. That's a, that's a big statement. And, and you said 
a couple of weeks ago as Caleb Love and the guard play for Carolina goes, so goes this Carolina team, even though I think Armando Baycott's one of the best players in the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, but if he can't get the ball, then yeah. be big if you want to. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what a lot of teams do when they focus on trying to keep uh, Armando Baycott, you know, at bay. And one thing is they'll front him. So they got to go under the top. Um, they will help, over help. So if they do go over the top, they can either get the steal or sandwich him, or he's got to take a, a, a high percentage or a, or a tough two. Um, but then whoever's making that inbounds pass, they're going to try to create a bee's nest uh, on that guard so that they can't get a clear cut pass or easy pass uh, or delivery to uh, Armando. So it, it's been hard for him to get a hold of the ball. So one thing that, that, that works is, you know, elite guard play. Those guards have to be able to make it so you just don't depend on Baycott because then they'll just focus on that. But if, you can, if you're a threat offensively as well as a threat in, you know, getting, you know, into the lane and drawing Baycott's man over and making them have to make those tough decisions and things like that, that's where you start to be, you know, make that separator. And we talked about it before, you know, we said it. You know, UNC needs time uh, in understanding what they do and what they can do and um, how to win. It's a lot of people don't understand that, but, you know, you teach those players how to enhance their talent and how to expose it. But you also have to teach those players what it's like to win. And so all you're seeing now is them being taught, you know, how to win the game. And uh, not just to be talented individuals like we talked about before, but how to win games. And, and that's, that's tough in every conference. Taking a look over at the Southern Conference, we'll start on the men's side. A couple of notable games, Chattanooga outlasting Furman, the last game inside the Timmins Arena for the Paladins as uh, Chattanooga comes away 64-58 winners. Yeah, I mean, that was a big win for them too, you know, because – uh, they're split now. And, um, you know, I told you before, it's going to come down to that, you know, that, that top group. And, you know, I, I thought that Chattanooga and, and, and Furman were definitely at the top. Could see uh, Wofford making some noise at some point. You can't, you know, VMI is definitely coming along, uh, surprisingly, but not surprisingly. And UNCG being a defensively minded team that they are, they're always, uh, in contention of, of something as long as they get a chance. And so, um, yeah, you've, you've got a very dominant conference, strong conference, and all you're seeing is a battle between one and two that uh, goes down the wire every single time they see each other, and it's going to be based on, you know, the adjustments each team makes every time they play each other. So, you know, Chattanooga made some adjustments to Furman and, and definitely took full advantage of it by getting a win out there. Some good memories from inside the Timmons Arena. Um, going to a new arena and starting to play, which they're, they're going to be able to play their final home game of the season uh, downtown. But um, what's that like? Is it actually, does it matter? Does it matter where you play? Does, John, does it matter where you play? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely matters where you play. And, uh, you know, Timmons is, is packed all the time. It's packed. It's, it's, it's intimate. 
you feel like the players are, are out there playing with, or not the players, the, the fans are out there playing with you. And uh, it usually feeds to their advantage. It's why it's really difficult to get wins there. Um, and when they go to, you're, you're saying when they're about to start playing in Pontefort, correct? Right. Yeah. So, if, if you know, it's it's different. It's not necessarily your home, but you're still going to have the home fans there. They're just not going to be as, uh, you know, on the floor as you are. But it's still a great way to get more fans in the building. Um, because, you know, when they played against Chattanooga, Timmons was almost packed full, almost sold out. And, uh, you know, there were people probably trying to get in there and understood that they weren't going to be able to. So when you play in a place like Bonsa Coors, which is um, a, a high profile place that doesn't just cater to your student body. Now it's catering to uh, the fans outside in that in that Greenville and, and Spartanburg area. It's 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 hitting more people. Um, and I'm gonna be honest with you, like even in here at Asheville, and it's a shout out to the SoCon tournament always being in Asheville. I see a ton of Furman gear on random people that aren't even from South Carolina or, or close to South Carolina. They just came to the SoCon tournament and was able to, you know, uh, say, well, I think I like Furman. I'm gonna be a Furman fan. And so they've been able to build their their fan base up. And uh, and a lot of that's because of how they've been performing the last few years since Bob Ritchie's been there. Full disclosure, my dad, a Furman graduate, he played uh, golf at Furman uh, on the golf team there. Uh, had the course record for a long time. Not sure if he still does. I am proof that golf is many things, but not genetic. Oh, man. Um, also, uh, just to show, uh, just to make it, sure that it could be genetic, bro. I mean, maybe it skipped, maybe it skipped you, or maybe you got genetics from your mom's side when it came to golf and. You got something else from your dad, you know what I mean? And so what if it just jumps over and, you know, your son or your it daughter, might. you know, maybe they're maybe they're next. That'd be all right with me. Um, cause good Would it go? Because yeah. what if they're cooking you out here? That's fine. Okay. That's just, fine. No, I'm just man, saying, just, you should have saw I, how I beat my daughter and Una the other day. I was slamming the, the, the cards on the table, scaring people, letting them know. But, you know, my inner spades came out. And, um, yeah. you know, but I don't like losing to my kids. I'm, that's all I'm saying. No, I don't like it. I wouldn't love it. But, I mean, if they're good at something, I mean, cool. That's, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and plus, I'm not even on my – I'm on my third knee, John. You yes, I mean? that is like, true. My, my original knee probably could have beaten them. Second knee, that knee, I don't know whose knee that was, but it had been mistreated. Yeah, I mean, almost as bad as my original. Uh-huh. Um, and just for full disclosure, uh, our producer Alan has uh, spent five years uh, working at Furman as well. And and John, you're the uh, analyst uh, for for Furman on occasion. Uh, the uh, the the producer down there, he and I just can't sync up. Every time I'm free, he's not. Every time he's free, I'm not. It's we'll get there one day. One day. <laughs> One day we'll get there. Let's jump over, take a look at the Southern Conference women's side. Um, one game, just a note today, going off on the men's side before we jump out. Mercer taking on UNC Greensboro. That's going to be huge. Uh, I think that's one of the – that's going to decide – I think those those are two of the four best teams in, in the conference, and I I think. So I, I think that's going to tell a lot about what's coming up uh, in the tournament. Are you, are you talking about SoCon women? 
SoCon men. Back, so, back to the men's. Oh, men. back to the yeah. men. Back to the men. Yeah. Yes. Just, uh, for, just for a second, because I know it's a big game. That's that's we're recording yeah. the podcast and it's getting ready to start. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You're so right. By the time this this is uh, published, you'll know the result. We don't. Uh, yeah. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge game in Greensboro. Well, yeah. So when you go down from, and this is the thing, when you go down from UNCG, Wofford, Sanford, and Mercer, like there's 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 such an easy ability to be the four C because all right UNCG seven and six Wofford is seven and seven Sanford is six and seven Mercer is six and seven it can it, 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 any of those guys can can take over there and so Mercer it's a big game for them and I know that they're playing in a hostile UNCG environment that um, they probably shoot the ball better. And, and play a lot better when they're at home, just like everybody else. So Mercer's definitely going to have to be on their P's and Q's in order to steal a win out of there. On to the women's side. Uh, Mercer beating UNC Greensboro 75-43 down in Macon. Wofford taking the win over Furman 72-54. It feels like we're just marching towards that Thursday meeting between Mercer and Wofford in Greens- or, excuse me, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but like I said, it's all based on matchups, right? All right. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, put that in, in the, any type of definitive answer that it's going to be Mercer and Wofford, because I know that Furman has the capability of beating Mercer. You see what I mean? I know that Sanford has the capability of beating Wofford. I know uh, Furman or Chattanooga has the capability of beating Sanford. I know that Furman and has the capability of beating Chattanooga. I know that uh, ETSU they can beat Chattanooga. They just showed that, um, and so it's there's a lot more parity. Um, I would say, you know, aside from Western Carolina, who just can't get a dub. I mean, it's you know, all of those teams are on a given night, depending on the matchups, could could win their game and the strategy. So I, I'm curious, but I, I don't know if I can just say it's going to be Mercer and Wofford yet, like, because uh, as good as Wofford is playing and I, they have made that turn. I don't know what, when it happened, but it might've been right at the beginning, like in mid January, but they just started rolling, man, where they, they are shooting the ball. Well, um, they're, they're rebounding the ball. Well, they're getting out in the open floor before the defense can get back and, either getting a layup or swinging it fast and making a defense shift. And by that point, you either got a bad closeout or an open three, and they're taking full advantage of it. And where Wofford, even though Mercer's 10-1 and one and playing well, I still think Wofford is a scary team. Wofford 8-1 and one the conference. Mercer 10-1 and one in conference. They'll meet up on Thursday at Wofford. Sanford 7-4. and four. They're on a four-game win streak. Furman uh, was standing seven and two before their most recent loss to Walford. It's really those four have separated themselves. And then you got Chattanooga four and six, still a very capable team as well as ETSU at three and seven Greensboro. One that can sneak in and get a sneaky win, but at two and eight in Western, oh, and 11 to round out your women's basketball in the Southern conference. And, and I'm beyond excited for, for that tournament in Asheville. It's going to be nice. I mean, obviously, it's always 
a spectacle. And, you know, now that fans are going to be able to come back in and, and uh, support teams because, you know, all, you know, I think especially in Asheville, they're looking for things to do. And this is something that people who love sports and love good basketball can come in and really enjoy good competitive teams going at it every single day. The uh, Big South tournament's going to happen in Charlotte down at the Bojangles Arena this year. So central location seems to be the play for both of these two conferences. And I personally uh, love that concept. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it just gives everybody and it's fun. Like I, I've just seen it when they come to Asheville for the SoCon. It's fun just seeing, you know, all the different uh, fan bases coming in and the different cars and license plates coming in and they come in and they, they see each other and they're all, um, you know, it's, it, 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 especially when the venue's good. And so in Asheville, Asheville is, you know, it's, they call it beer capital, right? So there's a lot of stuff to do uh, outside at even, you know, before games, after games uh, that people are also taking advantage of and enjoying. Um, and that's just you know, one of the cool things about the area. And then obviously in the big South being in Charlotte, you know, it's, it's always popping in Queen City. You know, that's that's not a – so, you know, it's always going to be something to do out there. Yeah, Beer City and Queen City, two great places to host a tournament. Nashville, it'll just be starting the the blooms of spring. And, and you got the Biltmore House right here in Asheville, Southern Conference. If, you're, if your team's got a night game and, and you don't have tickets to the earlier session, pop on over to the Biltmore House, walk around the grounds. It's beautiful. Uh, especially once the flowers start blooming and why not? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I love it. Now we missed the podcast last week. That was my fault. Uh, a, a family vacation that was, we've been kicking down the road and the kids are just getting too big, John. I'll be honest with you, just too big and, and growing up too fast. Yeah. And so I wanted, I, we, we decided that it was time. We're going to go down to, to Disney world. And that's what we did. And uh, what was going to be a calamity on Tuesday turned into the greatest Disney experience that I've ever personally had. Okay. Uh, amazing day. So we uh, wake up. We're going to go. We had a big day at Animal Kingdom on Monday. Big day on Monday. So we were a little slow getting up and around. We, we weren't going to take advantage of the early park hours. We we're just going to get there at 9 when Magic Kingdom opened mm-hmm. uh, and try to stay through till the fireworks only. Uh, without really looking at it, because we just assumed it was open till it was open. Yeah. Uh, Magic Kingdom closing early on this Tuesday for an employee appreciation thing, which is I'm I'm all for employee appreciation. Respectable, yeah, sure. Absolutely. That said, rough day to choose it. Now the weather was also against us this day. Mm. Uh, it was going to be high in the mid to upper fifties with rain. Oh. So it was the one day a year Florida gets winter, and that's our Magic Kingdom day. Now, I was trying to put a happy spin on it. I was like, man, it'll be raining. Nobody will want to come. Oh, it'll be cold. Nobody will want to come. Oh, it'll be early hours. Nobody will want to come, right? I was saying these things to to make the kids and and my wife feel better, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I spoke that into existence. There was, I've never seen Magic Kingdom more empty than it was on this rainy, cold Tuesday in the middle of February. Wow. We rode uh, Space Mountain seven times. Nice. We did the Thunder Mountain Railroad 
six times. No, we rode. No, 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 no fast passing, huh? No, we, you you could, but what's the point? What's you're the just point? Speed you yeah, you just speed walk against whoever else was walking in the standby line. You didn't wait. You got on the ride, and then you'd go on the ride, and then you'd get on the ride. Uh, we did Buzz Lightyear. We did the spaceships. We did the Dumbo thing. We did the Aladdin thing. We did... We did. We met because you have to. Uh, you oh, oh, but tell me, tell me how sketchy are them movies? And it's a small world. So they've redone it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it looks uh, still like I don't. It, it, I'll say that it looks questionable. That's what it looks so like. So I, one of the, uh, and I heard this, and I can't say who I heard this from because uh, I promise not to divulge the source on this, but I had heard that the dolls in It's a Small World, their hair are made out of yarn, right? Like the, the, the they're made out of yarn. And over time, the yarn kind of loosens and unravels. So they have to give these dolls haircuts. That's a little too much info for me. Um, are those dolls really blonde hair? And are they even what, dolls? So that's where I'm at. Uh, luckily, the ride didn't break down. We made it through. There's yeah. no creepypasta stories here to be told. Um, it was a day that we walked 11 miles that day nice. uh, through rain. And I wore sandals because I didn't want to get my shoes wet. And I'm a mountain boy. I can handle 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've got the, the bruises on my feet because I didn't think we'd be walking that much because you don't walk that much because there are too many. There's too much crowds. You're waiting in line too much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man, I put the mileage on that day. It was everything you wanted to ride. We hey, did the, so hey Matt. Mine hurt. All there, yeah. Were they thong sandals or were they like? No, they were straps. They were straps. Okay, okay, all right. I, I didn't know because if they were thong sandals, you'd have been irritated in between your big toe and. Oh, I see. I can't handle anything between my toes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel and you. I'm, and I'm suspicious of anyone who can. Yeah, like, how are you keeping that thing on? Like, are you gripping? That mean if you're right. gripping it, that means you're liking it in between your toe. You know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. And so anybody who's like rocking with that, which you know what? You can't. You can't protect. You can't protect your family. No. In a thong sandal. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Like you might as well just throw them things off and go barefooted, so for for the sake of grip. You know. Now what I what I will say is that I've seen people kick thong sandals up, catch them, and they're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah! Hey, now I got an aunt now, that's built like that. I think everybody's got an aunt that's built like that yes. because that's how I found out about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was weird because my aunt couldn't throw a frisbee to save her life, right? Yeah. But surgical with a with like a flip flop or a shoe. Yeah, yeah. You you do something wrong in the house or something like that. Like I'm gonna tell you the the women in 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 my family are straight up bullseyes. Bullseyes, like I'm telling you, like if I if if you said something or took off and they you did something wrong, you were you were target practice at that point. 
And then, like, all of a sudden, they just go back to having, like, they don't, they don't have any athletic ability, but they are built like champions because I felt that. My kids, my kids felt that, sir. Absolutely. And they're walking around lopsided like it's cool. Like, they yeah. got one shoe missing because they, yeah. they're, they're like, I'll go up and get it in a minute, but I need you to think about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know what you mean. And, and then they're going to go reload, put that shoe back on. Yeah. Yeah. Try something else. You know yeah. what I mean? Say something else. I, I definitely Ask got the look. One more thing mm. in this grocery store. I dare you. Ask for it. Oh man. oh man. That's that you're giving me a little <laughs> bit of uh anxiety because I'm having a bit of a flashback right now. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not I'm not okay and I'm not in an okay spot right you now. You got happy meal money? Oh gosh, happy meal money. <laughs> John, John. Yeah. Yes, sir. Call me out. People, <laughs> uh, um, you excited about the Super Bowl or no? I'm excited that that Joe Burrow did what he needed to do. Okay. For the sake of TikTok. I, like, I, I think I like that guy. I I think I like him too. Like uh like uh I'm just saying like if you can, no, he did the right thing. Yeah, or, he he had the people's back. He did the people's work. Yes, he did what we asked, and mm-hmm. I'm with it. It's been real quiet on social media. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I'm 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 with that. And so with the Super Bowl, East. yeah, with the Super Bowl, like he's done his job. He doesn't have to do anymore. But if he wants to go ahead and win, that's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, he did. He did his job. He did his service to this country, and I'm with that. Do you want to hear the most petty thing that I think I've said in a very long time? Um, of course, I, I do. was watching. I was watching a Super Bowl. I don't remember if it was a year ago or two years ago. Uh, it wasn't particularly enjoyable football, and I looked at my wife and I said, "Is anyone paying me to watch this?" And she said, "No." And I said, "Then what are we doing?" And I turned it off. Like having people pay you to watch sports has made it to where if it's not enjoyable, I just don't care anymore. It's like, I don't need this. Exactly. Exactly. Like, cause when I'm watching it now, like everything I watch, I have a notepad out on. If I watch it, that means I'm trying to learn something or I'm trying to engage in something that I could use for my own coaching. But when it's like, and listen, I don't have any ties with football. I haven't called football. Um, I like football. As long as it's entertaining, but if it's not, you know, I'm flipping the switch. Now, you know, there's games that we have to study that may be just bad, right? But I still have to watch right. that game because I need to know what the weaknesses are of those teams. Even if it's bad basketball, I still have to watch it. And uh, there's still a learning experience from that as well. But um, I don't turn it off just because I know I'm going to get paid for it. So I'm with that. Right. I feel that. Uh, now, when you're doing film review, and sometimes you and I will, will talk over text or I'll, I'll give you a quick call, um, do you have the announcers down or up? And I have them up, and I'll tell you why after you answer, but do you, I, do you I, listen to the announcers? I have them up because they usually give me some type of perspective that um, I can either agree with or disagree with, um, but they're going to give me something, some kind of perspective that I can learn from based on, and that's why I like home like hometown commentators and analysts and 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 play-by-play guys because with that comes the knowledge of that program 
because they've called multiple games. And usually they know what the player does well, what the player doesn't do well. Uh, they know, um, you know, stories about the coach uh, that maybe we can elaborate on if we get the opportunity to call and, and interview them and ask them more about it and get clarity on certain things. And so I usually listen to them uh, for the simple fact is I want to learn something uh, that they may see that I might not have seen in, in that game, but they have seen maybe three games prior. I may watch, you know, two games of that team and two games of the other team. And, uh, and then I got to start doing some recon and putting together based on a correlation. But this kid, this guy, or this, this, this gal may know more about um, it from the beginning of the season. They may know what happened in preseason. Yeah, very similar to what I do. You know, I'll go in at UNC Asheville and I'll try to sit in on a couple of practices and get to know the teams. I'll do it at Furman too, where I'll try to sit in on practices, get to know the team. When I was at South Carolina, I sat in on a couple of practices, watched uh, just to just to study, just to figure out like the type of players these are and, and what they like to do. Maybe things that um, maybe their role is something on the team, but what they're capable of may be different, but they gotta, they've got to adapt to the roles. And so stuff like that. I keep them up, and the big reason is when I'm calling a team that I'm less familiar with, so whether and, and usually most of the, the, the big South teams I'm pretty pretty familiar with as yeah. far as what the capabilities are, what they can do. Yeah. But it's always nice to have that refresher. And I listen to the tone, the pitch, uh, and sort of the story that the announcer wants to tell with each player. Yeah. And I think I think about what that announcer's expectations are for each player. And if he if the announcer's naturally pitching up every time a player touches the ball, I'll know that that player has given that announcer excitement in the past and he's expecting it in the future. And I'll keep that in mind. And I may do that in my broadcast. And so I, I'll listen to their tone. I'll, I'll like the, the tidbits that they throw in, I think are really cool. And usually I try not to mm. steal those. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to come by my, my, my tidbits organically. And if they throw one in, that's super duper cool. I'll be mm -hmm. mad at myself. I, yeah. I can't, I, can't lift it yeah. just without without finding it myself but i listen to tone and i listen to sort of the way that they build when their team's on offense or the way that they call when their team's on defense where what they're expecting and and then i make that my expectation for the team when they come in to play unc Asheville, or usc upstate or whoever i happen to be calling that day yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I'm with that, too. You know, as far as that's another way that you can tell the type of players um, that that have that have created some type of, you know, spike in the energy of that play by play guy or commentary guy to, you know, feel, you know, that they have done something in the past. Because, you know, like I said, we've only looked at, you know, one or two games to kind of and it's usually the most the most recent one to kind of get a gauge on them. But that 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 analyst and that play-by-play -play guy have even more insight because usually they've been with them for a while and uh that usually helps us with our recon you know so i'm i'm a bit you know i like i said i'm a big fan of most of the the folks broadcasters in the big south because they usually do a really good job and do their homework i'll be a hundred percent honest with you on on twitter i said most i know i know i ain't say all of them. most not all, no. Some of most. them, you know, I want a Denzel throat chop, but, you know, the most of them are solid. Yeah, agreed. Um, We're not going to name I, names, I, though. No, no, we would never. <laughs> um, 
but I, I will say that I think all of them have the goal of like supporting this athlete in mind. And that is very, I can't think of a single broadcast I've listened to where I was like, this announcer is making it all about the announcer and has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's well, a huge credit to the big South and their announcers. Yeah. And here's another thing too. They, you can definitely tell like the ones that are, they care, they care mm-hmm. about the school. And yeah. so you could see it in their energy when their team starts going down. Heck, it was it was me for a while too. I had to work on that. Somebody called me out on it. They were like, "Hey, man, you still got you still got to talk, even though your squad's losing." And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. I, you're right." And I remember my first years doing it. I was, I was so like you know, embedded in in the school. Yeah. That when they lost, I felt it for them. I felt it for the coaches. And so, you know, it's just making sure that you maintain that neutral professionality there. Uh, And uh, but you can still see it. Most of our guys in the Big South do it. uh, But you can still see like that, that emotional contact to those teams and trying to, you know, hope, hope for the best. for them. I know that they're supposed to be neutral, but, you know, they're not neutral. They care because they've done they've done the most recon on that program. And it's okay to be a bit invested in something that well, you spent so much time watching. And I'm okay with like, so let's say it's 60-40 bias, right? Yeah. Like you're 40%, you know, there's a little gap there. And, and yeah. Yeah, you have more knowledge. You've spent more time. and so Exactly. You're not cheering against the other team. You're no. Cheering, like you're hoping for the best four, one mm-hmm. team. And if the other team outplays them, that's awesome. Respect. Great for them, Respect. Too. Respect. And here's the thing too, you know, like think about the stories that you've heard from some of the coaches that you've that you've talked with, like you know, with Mike and Honey, like they've told us some some stories that are real personal, like that where you yeah. really have no choice but to like that player or to like that kid, um, because they are more than just basketball players, and and you know you don't get to do that with all of the other schools in the conference, you know, but you get to do it with the one that you call the most on. So you know with you want to see Asheville. I got to hear some stories that like that were super, super awesome and personal and and that will tug on anybody's heartstrings, and, including the analysts. I got to right. hear some stories the same with Furman um, that tug on some heartstrings. Well, you can't help but to be a fan for this kid. The same with uh, South Carolina. Uh, Don and Frank have both told me some stories where I'm just like, that's my kind of kid. And when you hear those stories, even though you're you're calling a, an unbiased game and, and trying your best, you still, you know, have more empathy uh, for you know that the team that you're calling for regarding home court advantage. And so that that's what it is. If you do your homework like you're supposed to, you are going to get involved somehow. You are going to get emotional a little bit. And so um, because you're human, so it is what it is. I get it. All over my social media timeline, I've seen um, certain ACC fan groups upset about uh, a, a certain analyst calling their game. And I'd just like to make this public plea that, that the Jet is available. Um, oh. So ACC Network. I don't even know what they're doing at this point. Um, I mean, you're here. Uh, hey, listen, man, like. I go, I go where I'm asked, man. Like I, I, I just enjoy calling some basketball. It doesn't matter what level, as long as I get to, you know, talk sports, um, 
and really just, you know, learn something. And that's my thing is I, I'm learning every single time I call a game or every single time I see something out there. Um, uh, you know, I'm also learning, you know, more about the whole uh, coaching aspect. It's bigger than just X's and O's. You get to see these interactions with people uh, and between a coach and a player that is bar none. Uh, one of the funnest things to watch when they have their their light bulb or aha moment where they make that turn. And it's been fun watching that for, you know, the past. How many years we've been doing this? Man? Five? We've been doing it over five now. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, that's that's fun. But, you know, for me, it's just I I, I just have a blast being around it um, and, and being a part of it. And because, you know, as much as I still love to play, um, my my time is up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 those guys that are next, and it's it's fun giving my my two cents and all that stuff, and uh, being able to use my experiences uh, to kind of relate. And so, uh, you know, I, I I don't care where it is as long as I get to do it, I'm with it. I used to love just the the concept of, of broadcasting, just the the storytelling and highlighting the athletes, and now it's still that. But I like watching sports with my friends and having people pay me to do it. That's fun, ain't it? Ain't it that really fun? Is. Uh, it's a good gig when I can hang out with John, and I got Alan in my ear. Uh, it's a good day. It's a good day. Like I'm, I'm yeah. all the way, I'm all the way with that. And um, yeah, man, it's been, it's been a blast, man. Like, uh, and calling. Calling some real fun games. I mean, some yeah, some ones where you're like, we haven't had as many nerve wrackers as we did when we first got started. I mean, it was it was jacket it was jacket weather every single day, but every day was them joints weather. them joints were off and pits were sweating, sir. And so um, yeah, it was I, five buzzer beaters in a row right when we first started. Yes, like we were we were getting hit, voices were gone. Um, wife made me change deodorants. You know all that stuff. Yeah, so I I I had a blast. I'm telling you. I mean, and I'm still having that. So I keep getting it down the road. Uh, Allen Iverson, the greatest player in NBA history, and I'll tell you why on the next uh, podcast for this time for for the Jet John Williams and for uh, the A Dog Allen. I'm Matt Stradley. Stray saying so long. I know, I know. We'll catch you next time.